Jenny Carlson. I'm Barry Trammell. Welcome to the Jenny and Barry Show. The Thunder leads the NBA in takeaways and is second in steals, and that turnover advantage is one of the reasons for OKC's surge into the upper tier of the league. Brooklyn Nets coach Jock Vaughn compared Shea Gilgis Alexander to an NFL cornerback and Lugans Dort to a linebacker, which got us to thinking, what kind of a football team would the Thunder make? Jenny and I are here to break it down. Yeah, this is going to be a fun one. But before we get started, we want to say thanks to these sponsors for supporting the Jenny and Barry Show. The Oklahoma Ford Dealers Association, MidFirst Bank, Next Gen Roofing, Two Fellas Movers, the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum, 988, Oklahoma's Mental Health Lifeline. Remember, you can drive into your best in Oklahoma Ford dealers today for the best deals on Ford's full lineup of trucks and SUVs. Ford is the best in Oklahoma. And hey, let's face it, a box of pizza and a case of beer just don't work like they used to when you're moving. Nobody wants to help you. But we know two fellas that love moving. A two fellas moving company, we offer free, no strings quotes for your move. With more than 20 years experience, we've pretty much moved it all. Our services don't end up moving either. Need to do some remodeling or spring cleaning? We have you covered with dumpster rentals and junk haul services. Remember, quotes are free and there are no strings attached. If you're moving in Oklahoma, make sure to call the fellas. Visit twofellas.com for your free quote today. Well, Barry, the quote you mentioned or the, the words from Jacques Vaughn sort of spurred us to think about Thunder as football team. Now, Lou Dort as a linebacker, clearly. Clearly, I'm on board with that, uh, that comparison. But Shea Gilgis-Alexander, a cornerback, that's an interesting one, I thought. Yeah, it is. You can, you know, you can see what Jacques Vaughn was talking about. The long arms, the range, the, the knack for the ball, ball skill, all that kind of stuff. When you think about cornerbacks, you think of, you know, their hands in the air. When you think about Shea Gilgis-Alexander on defense, you think about his arms, you know, horizontal because he's got the long arms. And, you know, it's funny, Jacko, I don't know if you remember, but when they made the Paul George trade for SGA and all those draft picks, you know, we got the, we got the, uh, the billing was, hey, this guy could be an elite defender in the league. Yeah. Uh, nobody pointed out that he might be the MVP because he's one of the most efficient scoring guards in recent history, but he's got the defensive makeup in terms of what you look for in a defender, quickness, size for his position, those kinds mm-hmm. of things. Um, but he does have a knack for the ball. You know, yeah. the, the best NFL defensive backs are guys that can, that can sort of know where the ball is coming, when it's coming, when to turn their head, all those things. SGA leads the league in steals. He does seem to have a knack for the ball. So I can sort of see what Jock Vaughn was talking about. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting, you know, sort of having those instincts. I think it does sort of speak to that uh, that cornerback uh, idea when you're thinking about NFL quarterback. And, you know, it's funny, some of the same things that we heard about Gilgis Alexander early in his time in Oklahoma City were some of the same things we heard about Russell Westbrook, you yeah, know, true. having that ability to defend you know Russell was Pac-12 was it Pac-12 at the time he was at I mean, UCLA Pac-10 yeah yeah, yeah. Tw- Pac-12. Uh, no not at uh, 10 you're right it's 10 okay 10. so Pac-10 he was conference defensive player of the year so like he was an excellent defender now I think his maybe will or focus to defend may have waned because he still right. could do it he physically could do it he just wasn't as good defensively as Shea Gilgis Alexander is right now. I think there's a lot of want to out of Shea Gilgis Alexander. So I think that that is part of it, you know, being that two-way player, 
you know, maybe there comes a point in his career as he gets older, becomes an even more established scorer. Maybe we see that wane um, sort of in the way that, you know, I think you and I are both interested to see if this, you know, just the attitude that this team has being very approachable and, you know, easy to work with on the media side of things. Does that change? You know, that's another thing. Does that change? Does Gildas Alexander become less interested in being a lockdown defender? But when he gets when he gets engaged defensively, which is pretty much all the time, that's it. He's a hard guy to work around for opposing offenses. But I have to admit, I still think Lou Dort as a, as a linebacker, he would be, that'd be a heck of a thing to see in the NFL, or maybe it'd be, you know, in the Canadian football league, since these, these two are Canadian, maybe that's where they'd have to play. <laughs> yeah. You know, the, it's fun to look at these guys as, as other sports and those kinds of things. The truth is, uh, most people, we're not really suggesting they can make the crossover <laughs> yeah. NBA players typically don't have the speed to play in the NFL. NFL players don't necessarily have the dexterity, uh, the coordination to play in the NBA, those kinds of the skills to play in the NBA. Um, like Russell Westbrook, prime example, uh, um, exception. Um, he actually does. But Dort is 100% linebacker. He sticks his nose where it doesn't belong. He sticks his nose where people don't want to go. He'll guard LeBron James one one possession, De'Aaron Fox the next. And he's just tough. And that's what makes him such a good defender. I was watching him, um, you know, guard. He's chasing around Anthony uh, Simons on on Tuesday night, just a little speck of a guy. And then he'll go, you know, and then he guards Larry Markinen. He'll just take on all – you know, what makes a linebacker is he's in the middle. Yeah. Pass coverage, run defense. Blitz, you know, go out and cover the, uh, you know, the flares on the perimeter. Just willing to do anything that needed to be done. And that's what Lou, Lou Dort does on defense. Yeah. And his his versatility, coupled with everybody else that's going on, is one of the things that has lifted the thunder into the into the upper tier. So, yeah, I like I like both. Uh, I like both comparisons. But clearly, I think we could get anybody to admit, hey, Lou, Lou Dort is a linebacker. I think it'd be cool if we get Mario to announce. At Thunder home games, announce you know at linebacker number whatever is it, Dort's <laughs> five or six, whatever. It five, is. yeah. Five, uh, Lou, number five, Lou Dance, Lou Gens Dort. I think that'd be a lot of fun. <laughs> I, I hereby endorse the. I endorse the. Uh, I endorse the proposal. You know, a couple of things come to mind. First of all, we're starting to think about the 2004 OSU Final Four team. That was a team that Eddie Sutton put in shoulder pads and helmets. Yep. Maybe if things get rough for uh, Mark Dagnall, he could adopt that because these guys do sort of have some of those uh, those characteristics. But Yes, and remember, Jacko, who was on that Eddie's 04 team, Tony Allen, a guy Tony that Allen. didn't need any shoulder pads, but a guy like Lou Dort, go cover anybody. <laughs> We saw yeah. that in the NBA, all those Grizzly Thunder series where he's he's guarding Westbrook and Durant. Yeah. So, you know, if you got a guy like that, a great defender who's also versatile, yeah. man, it just makes everything easier on everybody. You know, and I think the other thing that I think about with Dort and frankly with Tony Allen too, I mean, there has to be a toughness. There has to be a mentality. But the thing about defenders that are able to do what those two do, what Tony Allen did and what Lou Dort now does it takes a lot of understanding and smarts and scouting. I mean, you think about, you know, what it takes to, uh, you know, guard James Harden for a while, which Lou Dort has been exceptional at to the point that 
I think if there's a guy that, that James Harden would like to talk about least in the NBA, I think it's Lou Dort. I don't think he likes much saying anything about Lou Dort, and I definitely don't think he likes playing against him. But you think about how difficult an, an assignment that is, and then some of those guys you were mentioning, Barry, whether it's you know a stretch guy like Laurie Markkinen or you know the ultimate competitor of LeBron James, like just the ability to know tendencies with these guys, what they're going to do. I mean, great linebackers, they have to be super smart too. They are that anchor of a defense on the football field. But I think, you know, I, I, I think all those things about Dort are true, but I, I always want to make sure people realize just how cerebral, cerebral a thing Lou Dort has to do to be as good as he is defensively. Because you don't just run out there and throw your hands up like, you know, fourth grade basketball and suddenly you're guarding uh, great in the NBA. I mean, it just takes so much to be great at what you do as a defender like Lou Dort is. So the appreciation for me, super, super high when it comes to Lou Dort. And that goes into, you know, the, we talk about the, the physical commitment to be willing to do it, but that also goes into the mental commitment. You talk about, you know, the preparation, the game planning, the strategy, all that. Lou Dort is committed to defense, and he's turned into a good offensive player. You know, he's been, you know, around 40% from three all season long. But this guy who he figured it out a long time ago, I'm going to make it in this league and I'm going to make it by being willing to do everything I can to be a premier defender. He became one quickly. He remains one. He's one of the the pivotal figures uh, for this Thunder uprising. And we talk about all the scoring and and, uh, the flashes of of SGA and Chet Holmgren and Santa Clara Williams, even Josh Giddey's passing, Isaiah Joe's threes. But Lou Dort's defense is one of the things that has put the Thunder near the top of the league. Yeah. Okay, so we've got our two Canadian Thunder players who are now taking over in the defense for the Thunder if they're a football team. All of this begs a question, though. Is there a quarterback in this bunch? This is a really interesting question because – you know, you think about quarterback as a leader, um, as that offensive, uh, you know, spark. But this to me, Barry, I don't know if I have a real good answer for that because maybe that's the, this positionless basketball thing that is in my head that makes me think there's not, I mean, if Chris Paul's on this team, the quarterback's Chris Paul. But, right. <clears throat> but point guards like Chris Paul don't exist that much anymore. I got, this made me think. <clears throat> And I think the Thunder does have a quarterback. He just doesn't play quarterback all that much. <laughs> and that's Josh Giddy. If you think about, and, and this actually goes into a discussion about trade deadline and the future of the Thunder and all kinds of things, but I actually think Josh Giddy may be being held back by the team he's on hmm. because he has to acquiesce to SGA the majority of the time in terms sure. of initiating the offense. And when it's not SGA, there's other guys. I mean, sometimes they run it through Santa Clara Williams. Um, They've got a lot of depth. I think Giddy is a premier passer. He sees the court and see things that that most players. His his court vision and his coordinating his coordination on passing is is uh, upper level. Yeah, it's just not required of this team that much. So he's doing other things. You know, he's driving and, and dishing. You know, in, in from the wing, those kinds of things. His shot's gotten better. But I actually think Josh Giddy might be better off on another team if he was if he was point guarding 
uh, a team that that didn't really have a primary ball handler, which there's you know there's a few out there. I don't know if any of them make sense for a trade. I don't, I actually am not saying the Thunder should trade Josh Giddy. I'm just saying his career might individually wise his career might take off if he was not on this Thunder team. Yeah, and you know we've seen that over the years. You know there have been guys that just because of the makeup of a team, um, you know it, it was better for the Thunder and better for the player to be in a different situation. Um, you know, James Harden wasn't, he, yeah, he, I don't know if he ever could have become what he became had he stayed with the Thunder. Um, I know, I know Thunder fans want him to have stayed. I get it, but there may just have been a point where he doesn't, he doesn't become the James Harden we now know if he's still, you know, alongside Durant and Westbrook and that whole group. I don't know. You, I think you bring up an excellent point about Giddy. I also think it's kind of interesting to think about quarterback as tone setter. And when I think about quarterback in that regard, my mind goes more to the SGA, uh, maybe even Kenrick uh, Williams uh, as, as a, a guy that I think about too. Uh, Kenrich Williams, you know, just sort of that, I don't know, just the mentality, just the, the mindset, the focus. I mean, the way that Shea plays and just his really knack to never get rattled in any situation, I think is such a, a bleed over effect to the rest of the team. You know, even that Tuesday night game that uh, the Thunder won against Portland with Jalen Williams hitting a game winner with only a couple of seconds left. Just look like it was another shot, you know, and in a pressure moment just hits a shot and that, you know, everybody seems like, okay, that's normal. I mean, that's still a young guy hitting a game winner uh, with less than five seconds left on the clock. So I think as far as setting a tone, I probably look more to SGA and uh, and Kenrich maybe as those guys. But it's an interesting thing as, as they've entered into this positionless basketball situation. There really, uh, there doesn't seem to be that obvious quarterback. Although I think what you said about Giddy is really interesting, and maybe that does portend the future of, you know, maybe not at the trade deadline, but just where the Thunder might look to and what he might want. He might say, you know what, maybe this isn't the right fit for me either. Yeah, and you know when, um, I, I don't expect Giddy to be traded. I don't either. Um, at this, at the trade deadline, I really don't expect him to be traded in the summer. But I do wonder about the long-term fit. Um, the the five-out is working, and Giddy's not a great outside shooter, gotten a lot better. He makes it work very well because of the spacing creates driving lanes. He's a very good driver. Um, but if you just – if you just, I've actually never seen people build – a team build a game plan around inbounds plays because they've got a guy who's such a good passer on inbounds plays. The Thunder has that. I mean, they yeah. will insert Josh Giddy outside of his routine uh, uh, rotations just to inbound the ball because they run special plays that he can fire all kinds of crazy passes. Yeah. And the, the uh, Tuesday night game against Portland, they had a great camera angle, and it was uh, it was uh, from behind, and Giddy uh, looked off uh, uh, the pick and roll. Holmgren goes to the basket and uh, sort of one of the Portland little guys followed him and you could just it was a perfect angle for Giddy getting the ball right over the guy's head right to Holmgren and it just was a good picture of his court vision so I I sort of see Giddy as a as a quarterback you know dropping back in the pocket able to 
to survey the field and know, and know which way to go with the ball, go through his progressions, go through his reads. He's just got uncanny, uncanny instincts for, for passing the ball. Yeah, for sure. It, it's, uh, it is an interesting thing to think about sort of where he fits long-term into, you know, a team that maybe, you know, the, the ball movement is just such a part of what they do offensively. Yes, his, his passing is world-class, you know, top of the line, uh, beyond even what you see out of his teammates. But still, when you've got the ball movement that they do, you know, maybe the need to have that upper tier of a uh, of a passer, maybe it's it's diminished a little bit, and and he it, maybe he's not as um, valuable even to the Thunder because of the way that they move the ball offensively. It's it's definitely fascinating to think about. See how this team progresses. It's still a, it's still a growing team. Let's not forget this is still a team that is growing and evolving and figuring out who it is. So how Josh Giddy fits today, it may look a lot different even by the end of this year in the next season. You just don't know sort of how that's all going to look. Um, as we're talking about who fits certain roles, now I think it's time to flip the script a little bit, Barry, and figure out what, is the, what the heck is the football equivalent for Jalen Williams, the Santa Clara product, uh, J-Dub. What, what position is that guy? Well, I don't know because sometimes he, he plays point guard and sometimes he plays power forward. Yeah. You know, sometimes he's... Uh, uh, a shooting guard. Sometimes he's a forward. The truth is, he's mainly a wing. The new, the new vernacular of the NBA. But when I think of a football equivalent of uh, Santa Clara Williams, I think to a couple of guys who actually play football in Santa Clara, and those are the 49ers, Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey. Uh, McCaffrey, the position we know, he's a he's a tailback. Debo Samuel. He's a wide receiver, basically, but yeah. was a running back for a while. They like to use him a lot of different ways. He can do a lot of things, and that's what Santa Clara Williams is. He's just so dang valuable. He guards most everybody, not fantastically, but he holds up against virtually everyone. Yeah, Offensively, he's great without the ball. He's great with the ball. He can, he can pass. He can shoot. He can penetrate. He can shoot the deep ball. I mean, I think he's, he's like 46%. He's up to 46% or something. Oh, he's, well, he's bad Tuesday night. He may be down in the 44% range from deep. And he's just an all-around, he's a Swiss Army knife. And that's what those guys out in the 49er land are. So this is a guy where he just, you know, there's guys that uh, playing football, they walk onto the field and coaches say, I don't, I don't care what he is. He's a football player. We're going to find ways to use him. And that's what it is with Santa Clara Williams. Uh, I mean, Mark Dagnaught, his head must just spin at the idea is, hey, this guy can do so many things. We can, we can do so many things with this guy. Uh, and, and the Thunder, to its credit, does. Yeah. It's interesting. Every once in a while uh, on game nights for the Thunder, I, I, maybe I'm doing something right before the game starts. And I just to make sure I don't miss tip-off, I'll turn on the radio as I'm doing stuff around the house. A Tuesday night, the Portland game happened to be one of those nights. And I heard the Thunder starting intros, which the players introduced themselves, you know, say their name, number, position, Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, and it struck me last night, uh, Chet Holmgren's intro is Chet Holmgren, basketball player, <laughs> which is interesting. But to me, that maybe should fit Jalen Williams, too. I mean, I think he's as much basketball player as anything i think he says small forward but i think he could literally say basketball player because yep. he does he handles the ball 
He defends bigs. He defends smaller guys. I mean, he really does so many things. I was a little bit surprised, frankly, Barry, to see Jalen Williams not make the uh, USA basketball roster of possible players for the Olympics. They're going to pull that 12-member team out of the, I think it was 41 athletes. Chet Holmgren was included. Jalen Williams was not. Seems like a guy to me that they would want to have in that workout group. So that was a little bit surprising to me just because of the flexibility that he, like Chet Holmgren, offers to a team. So I'm not saying he's ready for the Olympics or anything, but to have a guy like that, that was a little bit surprising. But I think that um, talking about Chet Holmgren, let's just talk about him for a second because we're talking football teams and how this Thunder team figures into to a football team. What is Chet Holmgren exactly? <laughs> well, I think there's, you know, he if you literally wanted to put him on the NFL roster, he would make a great field goal blocker. Uh, and I don't mean rushing the kicker. I mean standing him in front of the goalpost and let him uh, knock down the long field goals, which I think is against the rules. And I've always wondered why. Somebody tell me why that's against the rules. But I digress. Um, Holmgren, uh, of course, does not have the body for the NFL. He wouldn't last, you know, three minutes. However, his reach and his height is reminiscent of some really good NFL players. This, you're mm -hmm. too young to remember this guy, Ed Too Tall Jones, who was not too tall. He <laughs> was the perfect height to be a dominant defensive end. Six foot nine, Tennessee State University. The Cowboys drafted him, and he would rush the passer. If he didn't get to the passer, he'd put his hands up as the, uh, as the quarterback cocked his arm and delivered the ball, and all of a sudden, uh, a line shot pass had to have an arc on it, thanks to Ed Tutal Jones. And I can imagine all kinds of, uh, of NBA players. I think Chet had six blocks against the Blazers. Um, if I'm Portland sitting in the locker room after the game, uh, one thing I'd say about that game is, that guy's too tall. He's just too tall. Getting the ball over him. And I was, I was thinking last night, you know, when the Thunder drafted Chet Holmgren, they were hoping he would be a transcendent player because of his, his ability with the ball, um, shoot, drive, all those things. And that's come to pass. He's been outstanding. But the one thing they were sure of, more than even the offense, was his ability to affect the defensive end and his ability to be a game changer at protecting the rim. How long has it been? 16, it's been seven and a half years since Serge Ibaka roamed the, uh, the courts of Oklahoma City, rejecting shots. And we'd sort of forgot what a blessing that is to have a premium shot blocker on your team. Chad Holmgren changes the way the Thunder can play defense. And that rim protection has been fantastic for this team. I've seen a lot of lists that say he's, he's uh, number two on the list for defensive player of the year. Rudy Gobert is going to win it and should. Fantastic. But Chad has been a, a, uh, a godsend at rim protection. Uh, Chet too tall Holmgren as far as I'm concerned yeah it's interesting I think a lot of people might think Chet Holmgren's place on a football field might be goalpost like he's <laughs> his thinness but I do think the way he moves and catches it you know it's not how most seven footers move and you know are able to handle the football so or handle the basketball. So, and I've already got him on the football field. So it's a, it's an interesting thought. I'm not sure exactly. Um, yeah. I, I, what you said about not lasting three minutes. I mean, he would need to 
probably double his body weight to even stand a chance to not be, you know, injured, broken in half by whatever, um, whatever NFL player he ran into. So it's impossible to, to visually think about Chet Holmgren actually playing football, but um, it is fascinating. His, his skill sets with his hands, with his feet, with his dexterity, just the way he moves for a guy, his size. I think there's definitely some guys in the NFL that, um, you know, are, are you, you watch him move and you think, now, how did, how did they do that with their size, their length, um, you know, just the speed at which the game moves, all those sorts of things. It's a really interesting, it's an interesting physics experiment because sometimes it doesn't even seem possible. Since we're talking about Chet Holmgren and his lack of beefiness, what about the beef? Where is it, Barry? The, I mean, used to be the Thunder had guys that were kind of linemen-like, whether you're talking about Steven Adams or Kendrick Perkins or um, some of those types of folks, but this Thunder team, they don't really have any line candidates, it doesn't seem like. A bunch of gazelles. That's what, that's what this Thunder team, a bunch of guys that can run and jump. Uh, they would, uh, they, if they're decathletes, they'd get killed in the, in the throw events, but otherwise <laughs> they would dominate. So, uh, yeah, th- this is not, this is a, this is a uh, really formatted Thunder team in terms of uh, athletic ability. They want a, they want long, tall, uh, rangy athletes. And the Thunder's always, always sort of Sam Presti's years, always prioritized that. But in addition to the big guys they've had, Thunder big guys, Holmgren, Arkansas Williams isn't a, isn't a beanpole, but he's not overly massive. So um Olivier Saar the you know the third team center similar but I think it's just the the thunder is um is looking at at speed and looking at athletic ability and it goes back I think uh in football you go back to the 1980s that's what Barry Switzer did that's what Jimmy Johnson did at Miami they prioritized fast guys and speed defensively primarily getting to the ball but uh the wishbone uh for the Sooners really uh prioritize speed and i think i think the thunder they've they've always gone for great athletes um in the draft you know i remember i remember antonio daniels when he was on the thunder broadcast crew he was down you know down on court a couple hours before a game and some old nba guy a scout or coach or somebody was uh, had known Antonio, and he walked up and he said, Antonio Daniels, no wonder you're with the Thunder. You're perfect for the Thunder. Because Antonio is <laughs> 6'7 and rangy, you know, guys steal the ball a lot, and sort of an Andre Robertson type, only I think yeah. probably score more. But, um, but that's what the Thunder's always been about mm. and been criticized a lot because they get guys like that that are not particularly uh, skillful with the ball. You know, Andre Robertson, uh, an example. Prime. Yeah. Uh, Usman Zhang, a current example, you know, they hope that Usman develops into a really good player and he might, but what we, what we're seeing with Shea, with Santa Clara Williams, with, uh, some of these guys, you're seeing premium, a- premium athletes who are also very good with the ball. So, um, yeah, you're not, the Thunder's not trying to win a tough man contest. They're not trying to play bully ball when they play the Sixers, when they play the Nuggets, it could be dicey. But they've shown that they can stand up to big teams, uh, and they've beaten Denver twice, beaten Minnesota twice. They've, they've uh, shown that their speed can counter 
uh, you know, girth and, and bulk. Yeah, and that was actually what I was going to say. Even though this is not a bear wrestling team, we we talked about those great series with Memphis and Zach Randolph, and you know all of the the physicality of that series of yesteryear. You know, as a very old school physical matchup. Even though the Thunder does not have anybody that you would say is you know ready to stand next to Carl uh, Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert, like bulk wise, they've handled those guys pretty well. Uh, you know, same with, uh, with Denver and, and, and Jokic. So it's not to say it's an easy matchup. You know, if those are matchups in the playoffs and you got seven games and, you know, those bigger guys, maybe that, maybe that leans in the advantage of that, that other team, but you know, the thunder speed and youth, that's something those bigger teams are going to have to counter. And so it's a great, it's a great potential chess match as we look ahead to the playoffs, you know, can the Thunder's lack of linemen, you know, allow them to handle teams that have more uh, inside power, strength, all those sorts of things? I think it's going to be fascinating to see. Hey, before we get out of here on our Thunder as football team, uh, Jenny and Barry show, Mark Dagnalt, Barry, how'd he, how would he fit as a uh, football coach? Well, he'd be fantastic because he is so analytical. He's not a rah-rah guy, um, probably better off on the NFL level than the uh, college football level, um, just a, a guy that can take a game plan and really decipher it and, and fine-tune it and come up with weaknesses. You know, the NFL is all about matchups. It's all about finding the weaknesses in the other team. It's all about fighting a sliver of an advantage on a blitz or a pass route or whatever the case, a blocking angle, whatever the case may be. Dagnold is fantastic on that. So I think, I think he would have made a heck of a football coach. Um, you know, some others, other coaches are more in tuned in other places. You know, Scotty Brooks, uh, Scotty uh, cracked me up. He's, he ran on the court Tuesday night trying to get, <laughs> to get Bellis off. And I thought, oh, yeah, Scotty's coaching uh, at Portland. Uh, but, you know, Scotty was more of a get everybody together and getting people work together and keep Durant and Westbrook from killing each other and that kind of thing. <laughs> Uh, and he did it very well. But um, but Dagnalt is a fine-tuned strat- uh, strategist. Yeah. And I think that would work very well on the football field with some of the, some of the guys who, you know, the Mike Leaches and, and the guys who just uh, like, like the X's and O's. Mark Dagnalt is a fantastic X and O guy. Yeah, he strikes me as kind of the new age of like the Sean McVeighs and the um... – you know, some of those guys that are younger, but sort of have that, that, you know, beautiful mind thing going when it comes to the analytics. I don't see Mark Dagnall as like, he's no Pete Carroll, Barry. He's not gonna, he's not running up and down the sidelines, pumping his fists or, you know, he's, but I will say this, I do feel like Mark Dagnall is very much, uh, the players seem to really gravitate towards him. So while he's not outwardly the cheerleader, I think he could very much you know, get the team, whether it was a football team or a basketball team, rallied around each other, around him. He really seems to have um, the ear of those guys, which I think is really cool. I got an exercise for you. Close your eyes. Let right your now? imagination. Let your right now. Let your okay. imagination uh, go into overdrive okay. and picture Mark Dagnall yelling at a Thunder player. Can you imagine it? I can't imagine it. I- no. No, nope. I can't say I, I, it's not there. It's blank. He can't. 
I don't think he. I don't think he's capable. Or he's capable. I don't think he's. I don't think he's going to yell at a Thunder player. I don't think he ever has. I don't think he ever will. He's an explainer. He's not a yeller. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And by the way, he's also never going to say something like, "We're going to bite the kneecaps of our opponents." So, <laughs> <laughs> Dan Campbell also off the uh, Mark Dagnall comparison board. Oh, so, yeah. Well, we've had some fun talking Thunder as football team. We hope you've enjoyed it, too. But that's all the time we've got this week. We'll have all sorts of Thunder content at selloutcrowd.com. And you can find our columns, videos, and podcasts there, as well as at barrytrammell.com and jenny-carlson.com. If you want our content at your fingertips, we have got you covered. We have an app. It's available for iPhone and Android, and you can download it today. If this happens to be your first time hearing or watching us, be sure to subscribe to our show on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. And if you like what you hear, please leave a review. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>